Welcome to House Call, the podcast where we dive into the do's and don'ts of interior design. I'm your host, Caroline Klein. I'm an interior designer, vintage obsessed, and I want you to love coming home as much as I do. I'm here to give you practical tips and a roadmap to creating a home you never want to leave. Think of this as a coffee date with your interior design bestie. Let's get into it. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited because now that we're done with the first episode, it kind of feels like a little bit less pressure, you know? Like it's not the first one. There can only be one first one and I already did it. So now moving on. So anywho, today we are going to be talking about one of my all-time favorite topics, which is the history of interior design and architecture. I spent at least two years in design school studying these histories and trends and everything, so I'm going to try to condense it down a little bit for the sake of brevity, because I don't think you guys want to listen to a 10-hour long podcast. So today I'm going to be going over design trends from the last 100 years, and I'm going to be doing it a little bit with kind of broad strokes and giving you easy ways to incorporate each style nowadays. Maybe later I'll do a more in-depth episode on each style or each style that I find the most interesting. If you guys would be interested in that, we can dive a little bit deeper. But today, like I said, we're going to be going over design trends from the last 100 years. I'm going to break things down by decade and kind of take you through each decade of the last 100 years. Now, that is not to say that these styles are exclusive to that decade. So, for example, Art Deco was not exclusively seen in the 1920s. It started to appear earlier than that and extended later than that. And designers are still riffing on Art Deco to this day. I just kind of wanted to separate it by framework because it's easy. (laughs) So basically, (laughs) don't get your panties in a wad if the dates don't totally match up. And then another disclaimer, the styles that I'm going to talk about are not the only styles in the last 100 years. If I went over every single solitary style for the last 100 years, we would be here forever. And I just can't do that. Interior design trends are a reaction to global events or a reaction to the previous interior design style. So one style really influences the next, which influences the next and so on. And that was really one of the most eye-opening parts about going back to design school is you kind of get to see this larger picture of how All of these styles are kind of woven together and how they can be seen within the larger global landscape. Oh, it's so cool. I'm so excited. Okay, let's dive in. I'm starting with the 1920s, so we're going to do the last 100 years. Any more than that, and I think you and I would both get super overwhelmed, so let's dive in. Okay, so starting with the 1920s. World War One is over at this time. World War One ended November of 1918. And there's a real exuberance in the air. People are looking forward and taking inspiration from new technologies like cars and skyscrapers and jazz was a big style back then. 
And all of these new technologies sort of shape the Art Deco movement, which officially goes from 1919 to 1939. And when you think of the Art Deco movement, sort of think Great Gatsby. So lots of geometric forms, starburst shapes, colors reflect a lot of optimism. So they're kind of these rich colors like burgundy, yellow and golds, chrome, peacock blue. And it was also really common in the 1920s for wood floors to be laid in geometric patterns. So like a parquet style or a herringbone, which are still styles that you see nowadays. Another style that was really popularized in the 1920s is Bauhaus. So Bauhaus is a German art school that operated from 1919 to 1933. And it was very short-lived, but it was super influential to all different types of design. And it's funny because I think outside of the design world, a lot of people have no idea what the Bauhaus school was. But once you're in the design world, it is so critical and everyone talks about it. So this German art school really married design with mass production. It kind of took design and stripped it down to its most basic form. So within interior design, that looked like streamlined forms and bold primary colors. Okay, moving on to the 1930s. So there was the stock market crash in 1929, and then World War II began in 1939. So because of those two big global events, minimalism became a lot more popular out of necessity. And that means cleaner lines, minimal ornamentation. Some of the Art Deco shapes remained from the 1920s because people were unable or unwilling to replace their furniture. But you saw a big shift in colors. So in the 1930s, there were a lot more lighter, softer hues like seafoam green or lilac or pale blue, muted gold. It was sort of this reaction to the darker times that everybody was going through. And also worth noting is jadeite and fiesta ware were becoming more popular because they were really inexpensive and easy to produce. So if you don't know what jadeite is, it's this sort of pale green kind of opaque glass dishes. You still see them nowadays. If you go into an antique store, you would definitely still see them. And then fiesta ware is still a company that's in existence and they are these glazed ceramic dishes. They come in tons of different colors and people still to this day love them because they're super sturdy and heavy duty and last people a really long time. The 1930s was really defined by minimalism, which kind of led into the modernism of the 1940s and 50s. Modernism is now what we call mid-century modern design And we call it that because it was the middle of the century in the 1940s and 50s. (laughs) Super groundbreaking. (laughs) Uh, We were coming, we were coming off of the Great Depression from 1929 to 1941 and World War II, which lasted from 1939 to 1945. Because of those two events, the Great Depression and World War II, people were really streamlining their homes and their expenses. Modernism really grew out of the international style and the Bauhaus style, which 
was a lot simpler. There was this desire for design and furniture that everyone could afford. Mass production became a lot more popular to cater to the middle class. And because of that, people sort of valued function over form. Mies van der Rohe said, less is more, which is kind of the hallmark of this style. There was a lot more of an indoor-outdoor aesthetic. So if you think of Falling Water, which is the famous Frank Lloyd Wright house, it has this um, this indoor-outdoor aesthetic with lots of glass, and the house is kind of built into the side of a hill. That house was actually built from 1936 to 1938 and really kind of changed the architecture landscape. During this time, Scandinavian furniture became a lot more popular, so light wood Organic and geometric shapes became popular. The sort of iconic colors of mid-century modern design are ochre, so sort of like a mustardy kind of yellow, green, brick red. So sort of these bold, earthy colors, if that makes sense. So kind of think Mad Men. Lots of wood, green, um, and that's sort of the aesthetic. Plus, there were so many like signature furniture pieces that are really famous even nowadays that came out of that time. The Eames chair, which was designed by Charles and Ray Eames, is a leather and wood chair. It's it's the chair that's in Fraser. My husband loves Fraser, and so I always think of that. But you would recognize it if you saw it. I can pretty much guarantee they have lots of um, reproductions of it nowadays that you can get for much cheaper. Another iconic chair from that era is the egg chair. And the egg chair is an upholstered chair that sort of cocoons you inside of it. It's shaped like part of an egg and it kind of feels like you're sitting in an eggshell. It was often upholstered in leather or tweed or other upholstery fabric. So mid-century modern really defined the 1940s and 50s. And then as we move into the 1960s, counterculture becomes a lot more popular. So things like the women's movement, the civil rights movement, the sexual revolution, the Beatles, opposition to the Vietnam War or the peace movement. And all of this sort of created this want for people to be more playful with color and pattern, especially after the last couple decades where minimalism has been a lot more popular. And by bright colors, I mean, <laughs> I mean bright colors. Fuchsia was really popular, neon orange, green. I mean, just really bright colors and bolder patterns. Another thing that was really popular in the 1960s, which I think is so fun to look at pictures of, is matching your furniture for an entire room. So you would have like green carpet, green wallpapered walls with matching curtains, painted green built-ins, like everything would be one color. And it was just, it's just so funny to look back at pictures. I really encourage you to Google it. But all of these bright colors and bolder patterns kind of lead into the 1970s. And the 1970s were really heavily marked by the hippie movement. The 1970s was a reaction to the mass production and industrialization of the past decades. So people were wanting a lot more handmade quality to things. 
If you remember how we talked about in the 1940s and 50s, mass production became way more popular and way more of a necessity. And this is sort of a reaction to that. It sort of created this desire for more house plants, macrame, woven textures, basically anything that felt more handmade. This was further influenced by the energy crisis in the 1970s. And that sort of encouraged people to use a lot more earth tones and bring outdoor plants inside. And at this time, maximalism really made its way kind of to the forefront as a reaction to the minimalism of previous decades. It's also worth noting that there was some disco influence at that time with things like chrome accents. But for the most part, you saw a lot of like butcher block Um, avocado green, brown, terracotta, so sort of those earthy warm colors. Okie doke, now moving on to the 1980s. So in the 1980s, maximalism is firmly in. The kind of longing for nature ended a little bit, and what replaced it is more of the Memphis style which is a lot more like over-the-top, whimsical, bright colors, bold shapes. It's inspired by Miami Vice. In the 1980s, you would have seen a lot of silk floral arrangements, overstuffed sofas, lots of turquoise peach, lots of mauve, emerald green burgundy. Laura Ashley was really popular in the 1980s, which has lots of florals, kind of faded florals. And then Ralph Lauren also took off, which is sort of this prep country look that hadn't really been seen before in interiors. Then we move into the 1990s. And in the 1990s, you saw a lot of what you saw in the 1980s, but it was really kind of anything goes. Like if you think about Monica's apartment in Friends, That was really kind of the hallmark style of the 90s. It was a huge mixture of everything. Americans wanted a little bit more simplicity compared to previous decades. And the shabby chic movement sort of took off. And by shabby chic, I mean like French country, slip covered sofas, chalk painted furniture, furniture from flea markets. Um, If you think of the apartment and you've got mail, very similar to that. And Ralph Lauren continued to rise in popularity and is still popular to this day. So moving into the 21st century, in the early 2000s, houses got a lot bigger. So think McMansions. And because of that, people had to buy lots of furniture and lots of really big furniture to fill the space. Stainless steel really grew in popularity at that time. It felt a lot more futuristic and modern. And some other materials that you saw more of were that kind of speckly granite that had like, it's kind of a tan granite with black specks in it was very popular. You saw a lot of beige, soft golds, rich chocolate brown. And you also saw, like I mentioned, furniture get really massive. So a lot of really large sleigh beds massive entertainment centers because TVs back then were much, much larger than they are now and also required a lot more equipment. So you needed some place to hold all of that. And then by the end of the early 2000s, minimalism starts to take effect again. So as we've kind of talked about the last hundred years, 
minimalism and maximalism sort of ebb and flow and take turns being popular. All right, and moving into the 2010s, so not that long ago. (laughs) As I'm sure most of you remember, most of the trends that happened in the early 2010s, I'll still go over them. So in the 2010s, there was this thing called the fixer-upper effect. Chip and Joanna Gaines really popularized the farmhouse aesthetic, and by that I mean shiplap walls, lots of gray, tons of white, and there was a lot of DIY in this time. Also in the 2010s, houseplants sort of got this big revival. They have their time in the sun. Haha, that's so funny. Faux plants had really come to the forefront in the 1990s and early 2000s, and in the 2010s, they really got replaced by real plants again. All right, my friends, that is a little overview of the last 100 years of interior design styles. Like I mentioned before, certainly not exhaustive, but it does give you a little bit of a taste. If you have any questions, please let me know. I love to talk about the history of interior design, and I will see you guys next week. Bye.